Hey, it's Miss USA 2003, Susie Castillo. And Miss USA 2004, Sandy Finnessy. And you're listening to Life After the Crown with Cindy Aldo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now? Or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. Excited to welcome a powerhouse duo of former Miss USAs to the podcast today. They were crowned back in 2003 and 2004 and have both went on to be very successful after their reign. Susie Castillo became a spokesperson for Neutrogena for five years and became a TV host on many different networks, including MTV, E! and Oxygen. She also has been an actress in several films and co-hosted Miss Teen USA 2005. She also has a Bachelor of Science in Interior Architecture from Endicott College in Beverly, Massachusetts. Shandy Finnessy, after giving up her crown, went on to host GSN's highest-rated game show, Lingo, alongside Chuck Woolery. She also hosted Playmania and the Ultimate Blackjack Tour on CBS. She was a color commentator during the 2006 and 2011 Miss Universe pageants and also was on the fourth season of Dancing with the Stars as well as an NBC dating reality series called Ready for Love. She is a 1999 honors graduate from Lindenwood University with a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology. Now, together, these two started Pageantology, a successful pageant coaching business that I would say is doing very, very well. So, Shandy and Susie, I, I think your bios definitely lend credibility. So, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thank you. That was like a little boost of self-esteem in those intros. <laughs> Sometimes you got to look back and just remember how much you've really done. I know right? it. You're like, I'm accomplished. I, I, <laughs> Andy, I, think, I think we need to steal Tim's bio, that intro just now, and put it on our website. I think it pretty much is on right? our website. I think that's pretty much where I pulled most of it from. I'm just going to play this opening recording over and over every night before I fall asleep. Yeah, just you should like drive with headphones in and just listen to it as you walk into wherever you're going. Yeah, there you go. So I want you to tell me about how pageantology started and you two came up with the idea because, you know, it's not every day that two national winners get together and start a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll actually... Because it was your idea. Yeah. Well, so this is Shandy speaking. And I actually had been training girls on my own for a little while um, just because I had trained with Don Baker um, back when he was you know, living. Mm-hmm. And he was an incredible, incredible instrument that I used. And I learned so much valuable knowledge from him. And I wanted to kind of use bits of what I learned from him and of what I knew to train pageant girls. So I've been doing it for a little while. Susie and I became friends shortly after um, I gave up the title and she had moved back to LA from New York. And we went to lunch one day and she had just gotten back from judging the Miss Massachusetts pageant. And she started telling me her experience and was saying, you know, if this one girl would have just done a little bit of this or this one girl wouldn't have done this and little tiny tweaks that, you know, how it could have taken them from maybe a top 10 placement the top five or even winning. And so after we chatted for a bit, I was like, what if we teamed up together and, and shared our experiences? 
because we also shared very similar experiences in the way that we prepared for Miss USA. And what's interesting is so many other, because, I mean, everyone jokes, like, do you have any friends that don't have crowns? Like, all of our friends are from <laughs> title holders. And, I mean, that's just the world that title holders exist in. But um, so many of our friends did the same things, and they had the same experiences. And so there's a commonality that tends to go into preparations that lead toward winning. And so we decided, we talked about it for a while, and we kind of hashed it all out, and we're like, let's just do it. Let's take the plunge. And so we did it more as, a, as an experiment to see, like, will this be helpful? Will it be successful? And I truly believe that when you're on the right path in life, things just happen, and doors open up, and you, you are successful. And we, right off the bat, our very first year, had a Miss Team USA, and then back-to-back, back, she crowned next Miss Team USA, who was a pageantology girl, and then the third one was a Miss Miss. Um, uh, pathology girl miss team usa so we've been incredibly successful and we just celebrated our five-year anniversary uh yesterday so how many girls uh, i guess annually do you think that you two train oh my god that's such a great <laughs> no idea hundreds that's hundreds i mean we probably have so hundreds if you look of- at our workshops too Susie. oh that's true. I mean, wow. And to give you an idea, um, yeah. um, so I'm taking maternity leave middle of April. We have been booked solid up until maternity leave for about a month now. Well, I think, you know, what's really interesting from my perspective is I obviously am on stage with these girls a lot. And I know you work with a lot of the ones that I tend to, to host their pageants. And for them, you girls are truly rock stars. I mean, I think in many ways, and I know you both are very humble, so just get ready for this. I think the two of you helped shape the modern-day dreams of many of the, the, the girls that want to win the crown. You know, you two won in the heyday of Miss USA back when it was on NBC. Viewership was high. It was over 10 million, I think, for both of you. Um, and after you won, you landed gigs. You got jobs that were still high profile. They were fun. It allowed you to still be in the public eye. And I think a lot of them ask, you know, how do I do what Shandy and Susie did? So, you know, Shandy, if you want to go ahead and start, how would you answer that? Yeah, well, I think, and you're you're right. Actually, I've gotten so many messages from people. No, even just recently, um, people who have reached out to like the Pageant Planet and things like that, saying I got involved in pageantry because of watching like the 2004 Miss USA pageant and seeing how Shandy had had competed. I wanted to be that, but I think the big difference. I mean, it was when pageants were really respected and a thing, and you know, it wasn't so muddied from the recent political affairs that have been going on (laughs) just to put it lightly but Susie and I also went into it with a really clear mindset we both and I'll let Susie tell her story as well but we both had already graduated college we were older contestants I mean now it's, it's just when you have like 18 and 19 year olds that are competing they can still do really well but it's just you're in a different mindset in life when you're 25 26 and then graduated college And so we both went into it wanting the opportunities that come from the crown as opposed to just wanting the crown. And as a judge now, whenever I judge a pageant, you can tell a difference between a girl who wants it for the opportunities or a girl who wants it just because she wants to wear a crown and wants to feel pretty and wants that acknowledgement that I am enough. And because of that, when we won, we both sat down with the Miss Universe organization and planned out what we want to do with the year, how we want to leave a legacy behind and make our mark, but also how we want to use that crown to benefit us in the future. And so I think that was the big difference um, that we really kind of put them because we are working for them, but they're working for us too. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, you know, the day 
the day after I won Miss USA, you know, we were at like in a conference room at the hotel in San Antonio, Texas. And it was like a, it was like a get to know Susie, get to know our new girl, like in, in an hour before I hopped on my flight <laughs> to New York to start my new life, you know, as Miss USA. And Paula Sugar was there and the PR team, you know, everybody's there and they're like, you know, they want to know everything about you. And one of the things that I was so grateful for was, you know, when Paula said, well, what do you want to do after the title? Like, what, what are your career aspirations? And I was like, I am so glad you asked me that because, you know, she's like, don't get me wrong. I understand, you know, how this, you know, being Miss USA, it's, it's a brand and I will be representing that brand to the best of my ability this year. However, the only reason I entered this pageant is because I, I've seen how it can open doors, you know, for careers in entertainment. And my gosh, probably from the time I was about eight or nine years old, I knew I wanted to work in television and I just wasn't sure how to get there. And it wasn't until I was seven, I was 17 years old. I had competed in this teen magazine, great model search, and I ended up being first runner up in that. And when I got back to Boston, my modeling agent was like, you know, you should, if you can get second place out of the thousands and thousands of young girls that submit their photos, um, you could probably win the state pageant, Miss Massachusetts Teen USA. And I remember sitting there and arguing with him and being like, no, 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 I could never answer questions on stage like that. I love watching those pageants, but I could never in a million years do that and he kind of you know he convinced me that I could and he's like you know you prepare he introduced me to this pageant coach back in Massachusetts and um and I and and he the biggest thing that lit up my eyes was that he said you know if you win this pageant you go to Miss Teen USA and if you win Miss Teen USA you will not need me anymore your dreams will come true and I was like really I'm like okay and then it, it worked. I mean, it didn't work at Teen USA. I didn't even make the finals at Teen USA. But, um, you know, five years later, I kind of then took it even more seriously and, and really studied pageantry. And because I didn't grow up doing pageants either. That was the other thing. My first pageant ever was Miss Massachusetts Teen USA. So I went to Miss Teen USA in 1998, not really knowing what I was doing or getting myself into. So it was a different ballgame. In, in the way I prepared. And yeah, of course, you know, two, two weeks after I told Paula what my dream, what my dreams were, and my career aspirations um, were, she set up a meeting with the Will and Morris agency. And that was my first agency ever. And so that was kind of the ticket that opened doors for you in terms of TV hosting. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I well, it's funny. It's like when I, uh, right after Miss USA, I moved to L.A., um, as you probably remember, Shandy was crowned in L.A. So my first apartment was really close to the Kodak Theater. Um, in fact, I could walk there from my apartment. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it was cool. I actually didn't, you know, those last few days when we were um, in L.A. for the pageant getting ready, I didn't stay at the title holder hotel because I had found my apartment in Los Angeles because I was moving there. Um, so I... Yeah, I had my apartment. I started acting first and foremost. And I don't know, about five months into living in LA, my agent at Willie Morris Agency called me and he's like, hey, MTV wants to meet you. Like, would you be interested in hosting? I'm like, yes, it'd be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's how that happened. I auditioned, they put me on tape, like the producers out here in LA put me on tape for it and sent the tape to New York. And then the executives in New York wanted to meet me. So they flew me out and then they put me on tape at like, on the TRL stage, you know, and, mm -hmm. and a couple months after that, they offered me a contract, which brought me back to New York City. Well, and I think what you two just described is really the perception that a lot of girls have. If I win the crown, 
I'll, you know, mm-hmm. number one, become semi-famous. And then number two, that a lot of doors will open in my career, you know, if it's broadcast or hosting or, or, you know, whatever it is, they think that it's just pretty much set. Are there any misconceptions that girls have about the crown that maybe you could shed yeah. some light on? Yeah. Yes. And I'm just going to say that I think some of them think uh, they don't know what they want to do. They just have a desire of being famous. And, and so they think if I win, sorry, I'm like also stuffing my face with nachos because I'm like 20. <laughs> I, I am not surprised in any way, Shandy. <laughs> I'm seriously choking on a tortilla chip. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they don't really know what they want. And it's okay to not know what you want, but to have an idea of the direction you want to be pointed in. And so if you go into the past and just going, well, I want to win and then I want opportunity, but you need to have a very clear idea of, I want to go in the entertainment industry, or I want to open my own business someday and be an entrepreneur, or I want to um, work with children who are less fortunate. Like, have a clear idea that's, that's not super defined, but you know what direction you want to be pointed in, so that way you can help to open the doors in that area. Because if you go into it like, I just want more opportunity and the doors to open, the doors won't necessarily open that you want to have opened, if that makes sense. Well, and uh, you, you girls host a bunch of state pageants as, as well as I do. And, you know, I get up there and I read hundreds and hundreds of bios. And the big thing these days is that everybody in some way, as you mentioned, they want to be famous. And you two have had a taste of that on some level. So let's kind of talk the pluses and minuses to the whole fame game. That's a really, I feel like that's dangerous territory to get into when your entire goal if your entire goal in life is to be famous, you know, I, my goal wasn't ever to be famous or, you know, my goal was to be a working, a working actor and a working television host. You can, you can do that and have a lifelong career doing both and not being famous, you know, not being like a list celebrity. Um, now it, it I, I wanted to say this too, to just to add to what Shandy was just saying if you know what you want and you verbalize that to MUO, you know, like the way I did, it makes their lot, their job so much easier because they want to help you. But if you don't have direction and aren't really sure what you want to do, then it makes obviously their, then how can, you know, how can Paula Shugart and everyone at MUO help you if you're not, if you don't know what you want, they're, they're certainly not going to push you to do something that you may, that may or may not fit for, for you and what you want in life. So it certainly does help to know and to have to have a good idea of what you want to do. Cause it's also the saying that the squeaky wheel gets the oil. If you know what you want and you can talk to them about it, that's what's going to get the attention. So like Susie said, I want to be an actress. So they set her up with agents who'd represent her in that area. You know, you have to, you have the title for a year. What are you going to do with it? Like you have to make the most of it and you have to know that it's going to come to an end. You know, I heard story after story of, you know, once I was Miss USA from people at MUO just saying, oh, you know, we got, sometimes we get these, these girls who are princesses and they think that they're going to lead this lifestyle forever. And it just doesn't, you know, she, and, and I was told them like you know, about a week before they have to crown their, their successor and they re, it hits them that you're no longer going to be Miss Teen USA or Miss USA or Miss Universe. Then they're like, oh my God. Like, what is my life going to be? What am I going to do? What am I, am I just going to go home? And yeah. And they get into like a depression and they freak out, you know, and have almost like this like little midlife crisis because they haven't thought about it. And you know what we do, Tim, is um, part of pageantology in our training, we really get to know the girls and we get to find out how does this title fit into your life? 
in the long run, rather than just Saturday night or Sunday night or whatever the crowning is, how does it fit into your life? How does it make you a better person? And how are you going to leave your impact as well on that pageant? And the pageant's going to be better off or your state's going to be better off or the country will be better off because you held that title. And once we can define that, then it becomes so clear because when the judges are interviewing you, if we know that it's going to help that girl in the future in some way, it's, it, we're more apt to giving her the title because we know that she wants it for more than just a sparkly crown and a banner. So we really help those girls to, de- to define what they want in life. And then if they do win, we then talk to them about, okay, now talk to your state director because they have contacts here and here. Talk to them about getting a meeting set up with a modeling agency or, or getting your reel out there or whatever it may be so that they can utilize that year instead of just taking pictures and waving but actually set up their path for what their next step is. Well, and I think that's really good advice from both of you. And it kind of it brings it back down to reality because, yeah, once you do give up the crown, and I'll, I'll really ask each of you to chime in on this one if you could, after you gave up your Miss USA crown, what are some of the biggest professional challenges that you face? Not the successes, but the, you know, the challenges and even failures, if you will. You want, you want me to go first, Andy? <laughs> if you want to. Yeah, I'll just keep eating nachos. <laughs> it was humbling to, you know, walk into a room and audition and see all of these working actors there. You know, I knew like right away, okay, like this isn't going to just because I was Miss USA doesn't mean that I have to, that it's going to be a walk in the park or that I'm going to be offered jobs. It was it was the case in a couple with a couple of things, um, but not, you know, when it came to acting and hosting, you know, I've had to audition and or have meetings like with every single one of my jobs to um, you know, to prove that, to sell myself and to prove that I, I could do this work, you know, and that I, and I was the best person for the job. Nothing was, was handed to me even after being Miss USA. So it's, it, you still have to put in a lot of hard work afterwards. And Shandy, how about for you if you don't have a mouthful of nachos? I do. <laughs> I'm just going to swallow it real quick. <laughs> um, people know me, by the way, as like the nacho queen. Like, I know my nachos. So... My story is actually similar to Susie's that having the title of Miss USA did give you a lot of opportunities, but then you had to prove yourself. I found myself sitting in front of so many network executives and producers because I had had the title of Miss USA, but I saw them sitting there with an air of judgment or a stereotype of, okay, she's going to be all about world peace and no substance. And I really had to bring my A game and prove myself that I was a real person who had, um, who, who was ready for the job of whatever they were offering. And so I, I moved out to Los Angeles with really unrealistic goals. Now looking back, I said that I would be here for three months and if nothing happened that I'd move back home and continue my master's degree and then my doctorate in uh, counseling. I didn't want to, I, I knew of so many people that come out to LA and they waste their lives. And before they know it, then they're just waitressing. And then before they know it, they end up just getting married and they don't really ever fulfill their dreams. So I still had my original plan, which was schooling. And so I gave myself three months and I did have great representation because of being Miss USA. And I was incredibly fortunate that after about a month and a half of of living out here that I landed the job on the game show network. And, but even that, I had to prove myself. I went in, I got the audition and the meetings because of being Miss USA, but then I had to prove that I was so much more than just a pretty face that wore a crown. So I would say that's probably the biggest challenge is going against the stereotype that people often have and really working to prove that you're not the stereotype. 
Well, and did you feel like yeah. that at some points being a former, you know, quote unquote pageant girl was a bad thing? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, it's it's funny, like over the years, whether or not to write down on like my acting resume, for example, you know, that I was a former Miss USA, <laughs> like that's always been a topic of debate because you never know how people are going to take it. Well, here's another thing that, uh, you know, I'm really interested to hear from the two of you, because another thing that has drastically changed since you girls, you know, wore the crown is how much uh, social media has become ingrained in society. I mean, I think back then it really wasn't that big of a deal yet um, until kind of the late 2000s um, there. So what do you see the challenges now that the girls go through that maybe you girls didn't have to go through? Well, Susie and I didn't have Google when we competed. (laughs) Crazy. Hey, sorry. I actually, while being Miss USA, I attended an event where I sat next to the founders of Google and they were like, have you Googled yourself? And I was like, how dare you ask that question? <laughs> and I was like, isn't that personal? I had no idea what Google was because it had just launched. So we didn't have the ability to like Google our judges and see who they are and what they're all about. We didn't have the opportunity to look at the other girls um, extensively in their mm-hmm. social media and see what their life is like. So it was kind of nice that we were all on the same playing field. But I mean, now what girls have to be careful of, and we saw it with the recent Miss Teen USA, Carly Hayes, is that everything that you post, it doesn't go away. And girls sometimes post things on social media, not realizing that there could be huge consequences in the future. And so we tell all of our clients, like, set your profiles to private until you have time to go through to clean everything out and make sure that it's acceptable for the title holder. And then you can make it public again. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, too, that, like, now, you know, judges can, can go beyond your profile sheet. You know, I mean, whenever I judge a state pageant, I go on Instagram and I check out the girls who, you know, like my, my favorites, like my top three or my top five or whatever. Like I'll totally go on in there and they're on their Instagram because I want to make sure that the things that they're talking to me about and the things that they wrote down on their bio, like if you're saying that you, you're, you know, you're a huge advocate for the American Health Association or yeah, American Heart Association or something like that. And I go on your Instagram and I see nothing on that, you know, and you tell me that in the interview that you talk to kids and you do this and you do that. And I go on your Instagram and there's not one single photo of you doing any of that. You know, a red flag goes up for me. I wonder, are you just saying that in interview just to impress me or are you actually walking the walk? Susie and I judged a pageant in the past and it was brought to our awareness, a contestant social media page with very inappropriate photos on there. And she Mm -hmm. was a beautiful girl that could have possibly done well on the pageant. But when we saw that, immediately all of the judges were saying there's no way this girl could represent this title. She would be a nightmare for the director. Yeah. And I, so, look, yeah. We, I think we all see that every year. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's talk about a, a little bit of life after the pageant. You girls have built, you know, a very successful business. You're doing well. And I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges, I did a survey not too long ago with about 25 of the girls. And I said, you know, what's your biggest challenge that you see after pageants? And they said, I want to know, that what I did in pageants will somehow help me in real life. How do you see that, you know, what you girls did in pageants has helped you build your business? Well, just starting with like grooming skills. I look back at the first pageants I competed in. I had no idea how to do my hair or makeup. I mean, it was just a a nightmare. And you just learn grooming skills. You learn um, how to truly be healthy instead of doing these crazy fad diets that are trying to get you in shape in a short amount of time. You learn how to live that lifestyle because, you know, once you win a title and you become Miss USA, like you're running frantic. And if you're on a crazy fad diet, 
it's not going to last. So you have to live the lifestyle and have it be sustainable. But also um, the confidence. I mean, when you first take on the title and you have to go and speak in front of like 20,000 Girl Scouts, it is nerve wracking. But you do it a few times and then it kind of loses that edge and you have more confidence. And then obviously all the opportunities that come. But I, we were just working with a girl um, right before this call who's going to Miss USA. And she was saying, I really feel like somehow I, I may meet my husband out of all of this. And I was like, you know what? Then you probably will. Because I was just talking with my husband the other day that had I not have been Miss USA or had I have even won Miss Universe and I was first runner up, I could have, I wouldn't have met my husband. And like fate definitely plays a role. So, I mean, I think by being a title holder, whether it's Miss USA, whether it's Miss Missouri, whether it's Miss St. Louis, it absolutely provides so many opportunities that just life itself doesn't. Oh my gosh. I mean, you can, it's just between just pageants have prepared me for, for so much, whether it's personal or, you know, career wise and I mean the career stuff we've been talking about right I mean I I still whenever I have dinner with Paula Shugart or something I always say I'm like I or if I if somebody talks badly about you know pageantry or something I'm like listen it changed my life for the better like I owe my entire career to winning Miss USA it truly made my dreams come true you know and so quickly after the title too like that's like how else can you get from point A to point B, you know, doing like just with what I did and what Shandy did without, you know, in any other way, you know, I was so afraid of like moving out to Los Angeles to, to make these dreams come true and ending up like living in my car or, you know, running out of money or being a waitress or something like that and never making it. And that's when, you know, I started doing ex- some exploration and found that pageantry was possibly the way to do that but you know over the years Tim we've gotten emails Shandy I don't know if you remember the, the we had a we had a client who got into her top like her number one college university that she wanted to go to and she wrote us an email after she got in to thank us because she said you know what you guys put me through the ringer with interview and let me just tell you that my interview for my college my entry was a walk in the park because I learned how to sell myself, because I knew what my brand was and what I could offer the university as a student and how, how the university and could help me in my career, like what it was going to do for me and what I was going to, what I was going to bring to the university, you know? And I was like in tears reading this amazing email because they are life skills that you learn. And that's something that Shandy and I do not take lightly. We always tell girls like, listen, win or lose what we're teaching you we still use today, like we use these same skills, how to brand ourselves, how to sell ourselves in rooms when we're on a daily mm-hmm. basis. You know? But I, I think even more than that, pageants also teach you how to lose. Because, you know, like Susie, in the acting world, when I used to be in the hosting world, there's only in pageants, you can prepare yourself 100% and feel so ready to win that pageant and someone else wins it. Because it's not subjective it's not or it's not you know it's like in school if I study for the test and I make all A's then I will graduate with all A's this is so subjective that someone just might not like you because you remind them of an ex-girlfriend that burned them or something so <laughs> there's a lot that's out of your, there's a lot that's out of your control and it prepares you for rejection and there's a lot of times in life that we go through rejection and some people have a really hard time dealing with it but if you're in pageants and I mean, Susie only competed in a handful of pageants and won most of them. The only one that she didn't win was Miss Team USA and then Miss Universe. But I'm sure those two moments prepared her for what she's doing now with acting. 
So I think that's something that's very invaluable as well. Let me let me ask you this because I think you know there is the small minority of people who obviously go on to win the national crown or the state titles, but then there is the wealth of others who either age out or you know they lose a couple of times and they're just done, and they get done and they literally go through this whole uh, what now you know they it was kind of like they looked at the mountaintop but they never looked on the other side to see what happened after and now they're completely lost as to where their life is going and what they're doing what kind of advice do you give to somebody like that well that's kind of those those girls that I tell you that we train i mean we train hundreds a year not every girl's winning the pageant and so we help to prepare them for what do you want to do with life and how could this title help you but regardless the connections that you make during that year to, to keep on with those. Like when you go and you, you speak at in front of the Chamber of Commerce or you do little things leading up to the crown, not having won the crown, to keep all of those because that can really help you in whatever career you want to go into. I mean, because of pageantry, Susie and I are now running a company together. If I wouldn't have been in pageants, I wouldn't have met Susie and we wouldn't be running the company together. So we see girls all the time that don't win their pageant, but they met someone at the pageant who then they help to, to further their career or something in life. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I think it's, that's such a good point. And like, you have to see, you really, truly have to see beyond the crown, because only one girl is going to win that crown, right? And so if you don't get it, like, for me, my goal was always to get to LA, or New York to start my career in the entertainment industry, right? Mostly my my number one priority was to act. Um, And then hosting kind of when MTV happened, that kind of cemented me as a host. And then I've been hosting a lot more than I've been acting in my career. But that was my priority and I was acting and I knew win or lose Miss USA, I needed to move to LA to try and, and see if, if it, if I could succeed in this industry. So you kind of have to know what you want. And just so, because let me just tell you too, Tim, like I did everything in my power to win Miss USA, but I got there and I had so much, there was I had so much content in my heart. Cause I felt like I, you know, I left no stone unturned. And so if I didn't win, I'd be like, okay, well, this isn't what God wanted for me. There was another way, but I still would have moved to LA to, to try my, to try and mm-hmm. to act and to make it in this industry. It just being Miss USA would have been an amazing door opener, you know, and it, and it was, but had I lost, I still would have tried it. So you still kind of have to try and you, you have to see beyond the crown because if you don't get the crown, then you need, you know, maybe your dream will take you a little longer to get there, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to get there just because you lost this pageant. You know, you need to use your resources. You know, maybe your the state director can help you. Maybe your local director knows somebody that can help you. You have to be, don't be afraid to speak up too and, and ask people for if you need help and, and if you need an introduction to someone that you think might help you and reach your goal. And that's what we share with a lot of our girls is that whatever you want to do, if you want to go in the entertainment world or be an entrepreneur or go into philanthropy work, whatever you want to do, you're still going to do it. But that title, if you win it, could could move it into super speed motion. So it could, yeah. it could be a platform that you use to launch yourself a little faster, but you can absolutely still do it without the title. So we prepare them for how to get to that stage without the title and then knowing that those judges could help them facilitate that faster. 
Very good. Very good. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I want to talk about something a little different that we probably hardly ever get to talk about um, as, as it pertains to this world. Now, you both are married. You both have great men in your lives. Uh, Shandy, you've got a, another child on the way. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. So, I, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I have seen in the last three years as I've been working on some of the pageants is boys, I think in general, make or break some of these girls. And what would your advice be uh, as to, you know, uh, how, to, how to handle the whole man situation when you're in pageants? Oh, it's so funny because our client writes for you. We were just talking about this. <laughs> and I was in a relationship as I was training for Miss USA. Yeah, I was a very high-powered person, very well-connected. And I, I noticed but I ignored ways that he was preventing me from fulfilling my dreams. And finally, I remember one day, and I don't remember what the conversation led up to this, but he said, like, what is your dream? Though Your dream isn't to be Miss USA. Your dream is to marry me. And I remember having this moment. I felt like I was hit in the gut of like, who are you to tell me what my dream is? And I realized right then that I had to get out of that relationship so I could focus 100% on what I wanted because he was afraid, and a lot of guys are, that they're going to lose you, that if you – win that crown, you're going to have more opportunities and more eyes on you and that they're not going to be good enough and that they're, they feel as though you're going to realize that you deserve better. And so if that's the case, hundred percent, we were girls constantly, we're like, get rid of the guy because if he's holding you back and he doesn't have that confidence to stand beside you, do you want that as a boyfriend and as a husband someday? Do you want someone who is going to put you in that spotlight and be totally fine hanging out in your shadows and have the confidence that you're going to shine and you're not going to forget about them. And so I kicked that guy to the curb. I went after it hundred percent, obviously won. He ended up reaching out to me right after I won, like, Oh, can we meet up and try to get me back? But it just, it wasn't right because he didn't support my dreams. And you have to, you have to put your life on hold. Like how Susie said that she, she ate, breathed, slept the pageant. Like there's so much study and focus that goes into it. And it, we truly believe the girl who wants it is usually the one who wins, who wants it the most is usually the one who wins because she's making those sacrifices. So you put your life on hold and you have to go after it 100% because if you're giving it 80%, there's someone else who's giving it 100%. And so unfortunately, sometimes that means like leaving that boyfriend behind because you've got bigger fish to fry. Susie, do you have any stories and, that you and, went through? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, and, my, and I ended up marrying my, my then boyfriend. My husband and I are, this year we'll celebrate our 12th. Oh, year, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. 12th wedding anniversary. We've been together for 17 years. So we were together already for three and a half, four years before I won Miss USA. And, you know, after I won the state pageant, he, it's just, you know, it's insecurities and his insecurity comes to overdrive because he says, and now he laughs about it. And in, he'll be the first one to tell you, he's like, yep, I was 100% insecure. Here's, you know, my beautiful girlfriend going off to Miss USA. And he says, you know, he's like, I knew he just, he said, I was so determined to win that he knew that I was going to win. And he was afraid of losing me. So, you know, he got a little, he would say things here and there that weren't supportive. And I just remember one day being like, listen, like this train is moving and it's going, this is what I'm doing. Like, are you with me? or Are you not with me? And if you're not with me, that's going to be a problem and we're going to have to part ways, you know, but if you're with me and you're going to be supportive and we're going to be supportive of each other in this relationship, then let's do this together, you know? And he thankfully chose that and, you know, cut two years later, we're now married, but you know, it's like, we, we look back at that time and it was a, it was a conversation that 
that is necessary to have with so many girls. You know, as you mentioned it, Tim, it does become, it becomes a problem. It could, it can become a problem. So I think, you know, for girls, like knowing what they're, knowing their worth and knowing that you're worth more than that, you know, you, you shouldn't settle for a guy that's not going to be, that's not going to support you. Well, let me just add one thing. But the guy himself, even if he's a great guy, upstanding guy, he should want her to have that opportunity because if if she can be in a situation where guys are fawning all over her and, you know, she can have anything, right, the touch of her finger, that really tests her faithfulness and her fidelity with him. So a guy should want her to be in that situation as opposed to, I'm going to keep you hidden in this little corner and I'm, I'm like, no one else is going to see you. Like, let her be exposed to the world. And if she still, it's like the whole thing. Like, if it's true love, let it go. And if it comes back, it's yours for keeps. So he should want her to be in that situation too. Do you think that the insecurity sometimes swings both ways in that, you know, if the guy is treating her poorly or, or, or being the, the insecure way that you girls are talking about, that the girl is afraid maybe to let him go um, for the fact that maybe she thinks she wouldn't find another guy like that? No, mm-hmm. I think it's, um, I think it's a um, self-esteem issue that she doesn't mm-hmm. really believe that she could be a pageant and she doesn't believe that, you know, because if, if a guy tells you enough times that he's the best you're ever going to have, you start to believe him after a while. And so I think that a lot of those girls think, well, I'm not going to win and I really do love you and I want to show you how much I love you by putting you first in front of this pageant. Got it. Okay. So it's a little psychological manipulation sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if I, I mean, I can tell you, I, I've never been like a game player or doing anything like that with, you know, with um, a relationship, but it's just, I mean, for me, it's very black and white and very simple. You know, it's, you both have goals in your lives, whatever they are, they're obviously going to be different, but your job is to support one another, you know, to love and support one another, no matter what those goals are and not to bring each other down in any way, shape, or form. So if you're supporting your boyfriend, you know, for the girls out there that are listening, if you're supporting your boyfriend and he's not supporting you and your pageant goals, that's not fair. That's like you're you're putting more love into this relationship than, than the guys are. So something needs to change. And having a conversation and being very straightforward with them, I think, is the way to go, always. Well, what's cool is it sounds like you mm-hmm. girls do a lot more than pageant coaching. You guys are life coaches as well, it sounds like. Hundred percent. In fact, we've coached girls who have never competed in a pageant and never want to be in a pageant. That they're just yep. looking for finding out who they are, what they want out of life, and and things like that. Um, and we've had a lot of parents who have written to us after training their daughters. And they've sat in on the rehearsal or the the sessions, and they've reached out to us saying, "I have gained so much, and this is what." I, is going on in my life now because of you girls. That's super cool, and, and I'm sure for very fulfilling for both of you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We've Shandy and I have shed. We've definitely shed some tears over the years, but you know whether it's realizing how talented a young girl is, or or getting messages like that, you know, or like the one I mentioned earlier about one of our past clients um, who got into the college of her dreams, and she said, you know, she thanks thanked us profusely because. She said that the skills that helped her get into college, she learned from us. Like that, that part is so, it's so fulfilling. Well, hey, real quick mm-hmm. before we go here, and I appreciate both of your time. You know, what, what's the most important piece of advice that, you know, both of you could give someone who is navigating life after pageants? That's kind of tough because once everything's said and done, 
It's like you need to, you need to know what's going to happen at the end of the alphabet before you get there. I'm going to actually answer what advice I would give to a girl who's competing in pageants. And because one day she will age out and be gone, done with pageants. And to that girl, I would say, really spend some alone time where you truly ask yourself, why do I want to win this pageant? And not have a pageant patty answer that you think the judges want to hear. But what truly resonates with your heart and soul of why am I entering this pageant? And what do I truly hope to gain out of it? Is it self-confidence and knowing that I am enough, that someone else thinks that I am enough? Is it that I want career opportunities that come from this? Is it that I want to make friends and I, I don't like my situation at school? Like, what is it that you truly, truly want to gain out of it? And if you can truly define that to yourself, and sometimes it takes months of asking yourself that before you can really get to the truth of it. If you can truly answer that question, then it doesn't matter how you place or don't place, after everything is over, whether you won the title, whether you didn't even place in top 20, you will know what you want to do with your life at that moment. And you'll know how competing in the pageant or having had that title will help you get to where you want to go. And I would say, I mean, to the girls who, like you were saying, Tim, have aged out and like pageants are done, right? That's, that's the scenario. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, I would say continue working hard and know that everything that you did, like everything that you did to prepare for that pageant that you lost is not, wasn't done in vain. Like some, there is a plan for everyone. And if something is, if you have a dream and you were planning on using that title to reach that dream, you can still go for that dream. Maybe it's going to take you longer. You know, like I said before, I still would have moved to LA to pursue my dream of acting if I was, if I didn't win Miss USA. Um, you know, and I didn't have an agent. I would have just done it the good old fashioned way. There's a lot of, I have a lot of friends out here who never won a pageant. The majority of actors have never won a pageant, but they just moved out here and they became actors and they're on television now working. So whatever it is, you know, we have a lot of girls that we coach that um, want to be broadcast journalists. And that's the reason why they uh, enter the pageant is to make those connections. Well, listen, just because you didn't win the pageant doesn't mean you still can't be a broadcast journalist. Like maybe it'll take you a little longer to get there. You're still going to work really hard. Um, And you know what? You're going to appreciate that job or whatever it is you were trying to achieve by winning the pageant. And you just have to, you have to truly, and I know it's so hard to do this. This is like advice for myself too. (laughs) Um, You really, you really have to just trust, you know, and oh my gosh. And just like give in to, to life sometimes, you know, and, and, but continue working hard toward your dreams. I don't think you should ever stop working, you know, working toward, toward your dreams. The crown, having a crown is not the end all be all of your life. It shouldn't be. Well, Hey, you two are awesome. And I want to thank you for the time. And, and not only that, but I want to thank you for everything that you girls are doing in the pageant industry, because you're, you know, obviously it sounds like it's very fulfilling work that you do, but I hear directly from the girls, how much they're inspired by you, how much they idolize you and, you know, how much you have taught them. So I, I probably am saying this for a lot of girls. Thank you for, for all that you girls are doing. Thank you so much for saying that, Tim. That's really sweet. And I have to say, our team is very lucky to have you um, because the girls feel really, really close with you, and you you make them feel comfortable on stage. We've heard that over and over from girls, that they just feel comfortable in such a scary situation. So RPM is really, really lucky to have you as their host. Well, that's incredibly sweet of you to say, and I'm really so glad that the girls feel that way. Girls, thanks again so much for doing the podcast. And again, Shandy, congratulations on your new baby. Thank you, and congratulations to your new little one that'll be here. Thank you. Thank you. Susie, thank you to you as well. Thank you, Tim. All right. Have a good night. Thanks, ladies.
Bye. That is today's episode. Thanks for listening to Life After the Crown, and thanks to Shandy and Susie for joining me today. And by the way, if you are a current pageant contestant and you're looking for coaching, you can find them at pageantology.com. Now, if you like what you just heard, we hope you'll share it with your friends. Just tell them to go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And by the way, if you have any questions you'd like answered on one of our future shows or even a guest that you'd love to hear me interview, just email me at tim at timtialdo.com or Instagram message me at timtialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. See you next time, everybody. Everybody.